What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, March 24th, and we're back here with another episode. Apologies for not getting anything out yesterday. I think in times like these, uh, one, I got sidetracked doing other things. Two, uh, I think it's just important to take a day. You know, I think with everything going on, I think no matter what it is you're doing, I think you just need to take a day to kind of not think about sports, which is weird because I did my uh, nightly sim of Golden Knights games on NHL 20, but I think just to talk about it and get away from it for a little bit was a little bit of a help. And it does help because we come back today with some news. We have news that we need to discuss, and we will do that in just a little bit. But first, welcome back, everybody. Hope you all are having a good Tuesday. My name is Danny Webster. I am your host, and I do appreciate you stopping by for today's episode. And before we get into that news, uh, first off, a uh, huge thanks to all who listened to the five-part Reliving Year One series. It was a lot of fun to sit back and reflect on everything that happened in Year One. If you did enjoy that, um, please let me know on Twitter and uh, leave it in a review. If you would be so kind as to do so, it was a lot of fun. And maybe down the road, we can revisit Year Two, which was probably as crazy and as drama filled as year one was with the uh, exception of no Stanley Cup final appearance, I guess. So, um, but if you did enjoy that, uh, maybe we'll plan on something down the road. Uh, now to the usual housekeeping items out of the way before we get going here, especially a welcome to those of you who are listening to this podcast for the very first time, as this is a daily podcast talking about the Vegas Golden Knights here on the Locked On Podcast Network, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever else you consume your podcasting. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnVGK. You can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. Or you can send an email to LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com if that does suit your fancy. And again, I do appreciate you stopping by for today's episode. So we do have a little bit of news to discuss uh, going into today's episode. It's not really going to be anything specific. I think we're just going to touch on this news and uh, be good for the day. And I, and I think it's... Uh, worthwhile news that we need to uh, discuss as far as this goes. This news dates back to, I think, maybe even Saturday or maybe Friday, whatever it was. But um, there are a couple of signings that we need to report and a big bit of news for a Golden Knights prospect, which we will start there since that was really the, uh, the news that kind of broke first, I suppose, is that Golden Knights prospect forward Jack Dugan has been named a finalist for the Hobie Baker Award, which is given to the basically the MVP of the NCAA hockey season. Dugan, of course, out of Providence, led the nation in scoring with 52 points. And there has been a lot of discussion as of late to when Dugan may sign his ELC, which, given the fact that there's no rush for him to do it right now, this can be one of two things. One, they can hold off on signing his ELC up until next season, which would put him in really prime contention for a roster spot next season on the main roster. Obviously, he would probably get some playing time up in the AHL over with uh, AHL Henderson whenever that uh, whenever that time frame actually presents itself. But Dugan has been very noticeable in prospect camps. He's been very noticeable in uh, dev camps. Uh, he's been very noticeable in training camp as well. 
And given the fact that he's still very young, he's in his early 20s, and he is already proving that he is dominating in the NCAA ranks, there is there is a chance that we could see Dugan sign his ELC. And another thing to mention, if he does sign his ELC, and if the Golden Knights feel that he is ready to make the leap onto the main roster, say, this year, there might be an outside chance that Dugan would be able to be eligible to play for the Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's a very outside possibility given the fact that we have no idea what the uh, current situation is looking like right now but that is something to keep in mind should Dugan sign his ELC and if the Golden Knights feel that he could be a contributor to like the bottom six then it's something to keep an eye on but he is a finalist for the Hobie Baker award with obviously being the leading scorer in the NCAA a very good chance to win the award now on to some contract news, basically from sun, starting from Sunday, uh, Zach Whitecloud has signed a two-year extension to remain with the Golden Knights, carrying a cap hit of $725,000 for the next two seasons. Now, this is significant for multiple fronts. One, uh, keeps White Cloud from entering restricted free agency next year or this upcoming season. Uh, he was set to hit the market with, I mean, I w- it would not have been a shock if the Golden Knights, uh, it would have been a shock if the Golden Knights obviously dragged it on as long as they did, but they were able to avoid the whole qualifying offer and they were able to just go into next season knowing that they've got their young defenseman prospect locked up uh, for, th- for the foreseeable future. If I could speak words, that would be oh so excellent. Uh, The second thing that this does is this essentially locks up the Vegas defense heading into next year. Because now with uh, White Cloud locked up, Nick Holden signed his two-year extension on the day of the trade deadline. And then, of course, you traded for Alec Martinez, who has another year on his deal entering uh, next season. That leaves the Golden Knights with six signed defensemen, basically every defenseman that has started to this point. That also puts into question, what about John Merrill and Derek Englund? Now, general consensus would have me believe that Nicholas Haig will be the seventh defenseman, or at least in line, for a roster spot come next year. He will challenge for a sixth defenseman role, third pairing role, whoever suits it up with White Cloud. Because I do think White Cloud has, at least for the time being, has cemented his spot as an everyday defenseman next year. He's not going to be flashy with the point totals, but he has been very solid in the defensive zone. I think ever since he was called up on February 1st, he's a top 20 defenseman in takeaways per 60, which I think I alluded to in a podcast earlier about a week or two ago before the pause. White Cloud has just been very solid. And I think right now he has been consistent enough and also given his age to be where he's at right now, I think he's earned himself a locked spot unless he completely falls off. Now, with the with the idea now of what you do between Haig and Holden, basically, Haig is going to compete for the spot just because he's the younger guy and he is carrying a much favorable cap hit, which, I mean, Nick Holden is to an extent as well, considering where he signed the deal that he signed with Vegas, which was over $2 million, and now he's got $1.7 or somewhere around that ballpark. 
when you take a look at that instance, you have Haig, who, if he improves and takes that next leap, could be a very viable option to pair with White Cloud. If you feel that White Cloud still needs to develop with a veteran presence, and Holden has been fairly solid. I mean, Holden has been fairly good um, in the second half of the season. If you want to take the chance of putting him there with White Cloud and keep Haig as a... I don't think it's wise to have Haig as your seventh defenseman, having him up in the press box, but I mean, if you feel like that pairing, that third pairing is too dangerous to have out there, then I can see why you'd want to roll with Holden. But I think as for John Merrill and Derek Englund, I think the writing's on the wall. I, 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 which is a shame because I think Merrill has taken that next, I think Merrill has done well. I'll put it that way. I think Merrill has done extremely well given the circumstances. I mean, he was on a he he basically played his way onto the roster last season, and then this year it was kind of an up-and-down type of season, but there's always been those flashes of consistency when it's come to John Merrill. As for Derek Englund, I think it all depends on if he can play beyond this year, and he said it after he signed his contract uh, last summer. He'll play for as long as he feels like he can, and not only that, I think he'll play for as long as he feels like he can get a roster spot. Right now, the numbers say no, and I don't think paying Derek Englund another million dollars against your cap this summer or fall, wherever we're going to get to the offseason, I don't think paying him another million dollars against your cap when he's basically going to be sitting in the press box is not the ideal move. So I think we have seen the end of Derek Englund in Vegas, whether that means he retires or whether that means he gets another shot elsewhere remains to be seen. But I guess we will find out when that uh, when that time comes, which will be whenever in the world we resume the season, whenever eventually we get to the offseason, which who knows at this point. We're, we might be here for a while is basically what I'm saying. The other news that we need to uh, discuss today as far as the uh, the other signing that happened today, the Golden Knights have made their first signing official for the future Henderson AHL franchise, and that is signing UMass defenseman Jake McLaughlin to a one-year AHL contract. So, obviously, big news, knowing that this is your first signing uh, as basically your AHL Henderson affiliate Jake McLaughlin from UMass is the man that they signed. The 23-year-old defenseman from UMass, uh, not the typical point getter when it comes to the blue line. He had a career-high 14 points this year, three goals and 11 assists, but he has been a very noteworthy presence when it has come to leading a team that has been a national powerhouse for the better part of the last few years. UMass made it to the national championship game last year only to lose to uh, Minnesota Duluth in the final. Now, the thing that immediately pops out to me is this is another line of good signings when it comes to undrafted free agents that the Golden Knights have been able to kind of nab from the NCAA pool. Obviously, Zach Whitecloud comes to mind back from back in year one when he signed uh, after he uh, 
after he finished his collegiate career with Bemidji State. And then Jimmy Schultz last year, uh, after he finished his collegiate career, both it's a it's a very interesting thought because they are two they are two similar defensemen known for their offensive point totals at least when they were in college. Um, McLaughlin not really so much. He's someone who is known as a defensive defenseman who has shown the capability to show some sort of leadership when need be. So clearly, this is the Golden Knights' opportunity to basically go back into the uh, undrafted free agent pool and be like, hey. You know, we struck gold twice, really, with these two guys. Why not come aboard? So this is the first signing for the Henderson AHL franchise, which still to this point is slated to begin play at Orleans Arena come the next season, whenever that may be. Who knows whenever that may be. Uh, So those are your news headlines as of Tuesday, which... You know, I didn't think we would get through that in about 13 minutes, but but we pretty much did. Awesome sauce. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about before we uh, kind of, I guess we can c- kind of close up shop for today. Because again, it's weird because there's not a lot to talk about. There's not a lot to really digest in the world of hockey. I mean, I'm trying to keep myself busy as far as, uh, you know, things to do. And I'm hoping that everyone else is doing things that they love to do while at the same time keeping themselves busy with uh with whatever it is you're doing throughout these crazy times um but i wrote a thing on on nights on ice a couple days ago as far as book recommendations go because i think this is a good time for us to read because i i fall into the trap all the time i never liked reading growing up and the reason why was because I just felt like it was forced upon me in school, so I never really got into it. You know what I mean? I, it was always something like, oh, I'm going to pick up a book. Why am I going to do this in my spare time? Which, of course, you know, there are books that you don't read in school that you want to read outside of the school walls, you know, like Harry Potter and things like that. But now, for me, it's it's a good time to kind of catch up on my reading, read books that I've been wanting to, that I've been putting off for so long, and I think now is good a time as any to maybe share some book recommendations with you. Uh, things that I'm a have already read B I'm about to read. And if you have any recommendations as far as what you think would be good books to read, please let me know. Tweet at me. I would love to hear your thoughts on books as well. Um, one of my favorite movies is all the president's men. Um, starring Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman. I've actually have it paused in my TV in the bedroom right now. Uh, my wife was kind enough to buy for me on Amazon Prime because I had it recorded on our DVR. And then the way uh, Cox works when it comes to their DVR is that if you record it from a saved like on-demand feature, from a certain channel and they remove it it removes it completely from your dvr so i was kind of sad so my wife thought it'd be funny to <laughs> order, buy it for me on amazon prime so it's actually on my tv right now as we speak but it's one of my favorite movies of all time um and i've watched it oh, over the last what five years i've watched it maybe like 10 million times just because it, it's so it's so such a good movie like if you have not seen all the president's men i highly encourage you go watch it. 
I actually, for the first time, am reading the book, which is, which, it sounds ridiculous, but I've always been a movie guy over a book guy. But I figured if I'm going to spend this time reading books, I might as well get the book out of the movie. It actually just came in the mail today. I've already read it the first few pages of it. I'm excited to dive into it because I feel like this is definitely a book, even though it is based exactly, the movie was based exactly on the book. I feel like that there's going to be some things in the book that were not in the movie. And I think that's something that I'm going to be looking forward to. Um, Watergate is one of my favorite things to research. Um, I, I even wrote a couple of papers when I was in college on Watergate. It's just such a fascinating topic given, you know, what happened back in the seventies and, you know, kind of crazy how we can compare it to today. I mean, it, it, that, that, that kind of speaks for itself, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. I'm pretty sure I'm going to enjoy the book. If you haven't read the book or seen the movie, I highly encourage you do one or the other before you dive into it. it it's so, it, the, the story is so good. And told through Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein, it's, it's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, another book that I am picking up right now, if I can actually move on over here real quick and grab the other books that I'm reading right now just to make sure I have the titles correct for you so that if you do plan on looking them up I, I encourage you to do it one of the books that I'm finally getting a chance to read and I bought this book back in 2014 and never cracked open the cover it's uh, reporting the Kennedy assassination journalists who were there recall their experience this is basically a transcript of a roundtable from um, from uh, reporters from the Dallas Morning News and in the Dallas area who covered the Kennedy assassination back in November of 1963. So I'm excited to kind of dive in and see what these men and women have to say as far as what exactly happened leading up to it. One, leading up to when Kennedy was, uh, you know, in the car with Jackie driving down, uh, driving around Dallas and then leading up to the moment where Oswald pulled the trigger. Crazy thing is, is that I bought this book actually at the sixth floor museum in Dallas. And if you've never been to the sixth floor museum in Dallas, it is actually the old school book depository building where Oswald shot Kennedy. And they've turned that building into an amazing interactive museum on Kennedy, basically his rise to the presidency. And it's such a great thing. If you are in the Dallas area, if you have not been there yet, I highly recommend checking it out. It is such a such an awesome place to visit. And I think the tickets were like 15, 20 bucks. And you're there for like a couple hours because there's so much to do there. There's so much to do there. I even bought a, uh, a uh, replica cover of the front page of the Dallas Morning News uh, of Kennedy uh dying and they sold those at the uh at the museum store for i think like 10 bucks and i still have it in its uh, plastic wrapping um again uh, another book that i'm definitely going to be interested in reading just because i wanted i the minute i saw this book i was like well i've got to have it and i did and i never had time to read it now i'm gonna have time to read it another book that i'm highly recommending that i started reading when i was back in college uh, it was it's the uh, the silent season of a hero the sports writing 
of Gay Talese. Um, if you have not heard of Mr. Talese, he is one of the best sports writers of our time. Uh, wrote for the New York Times, wrote for the LA Times, Chicago Tribune. Pretty much he's written everywhere. And basically this is a collection of his greatest works. And, you know, as someone who always aspires to tell a story in any situation I'm in, this is definitely the book that um, I am definitely drawn to. Um, it, it is a book. It can be, It's definitely a little bit wordy, but I mean, there's... There's so many great moments that he was there. I started reading like the first close to 100 pages when I was in college. I actually got this book at a book fair in college. Um, it was it was at a table outside the student union at UNLV, and they were selling it for like five bucks. And I was like, okay. And you go on Amazon, it's like 21 bucks now. So this book is very hard to come by. But I, I promise you from even reading just a third of it, it is so good, and I highly recommend it. Uh, one more book that I added in here, actually two more books that I had. The first book, even though if you're not a basketball fan, I highly recommend it, uh, Basketball and Other Things by Shea Serrano. Definitely a fun read. It's not even really just about basketball historical context in general. He takes the craziest things like, how would you morph the greatest basketball player? You would take probably Jordan's clutchness with Steph Curry's shot, and maybe Kyrie's handles or something like that. And he, do, and he does this is like, it, it's really interesting. And it made me think like, what would they do with a hockey version? Which I'm kind of intrigued. What, what, what intangibles would you make for the greatest hockey player of all time? Maybe that's something we can discuss uh, later on. That book is always good. Another book that I'm reading is actually, I th- can't remember if I got it as a Christmas present or if I got it as a birthday present for my wife. The History of Gangster Rap. Yes, I, I, being the hip-hop aficionado that I am, uh, The History of Gangster Rap by Soren Baker. Uh, I've read a few pages of it, haven't really gotten to the whole thing, but it's such a good book. And I think it's more so because I am a huge fan of history, which, I mean, you hear the titles that I'm leading up to. I'm a huge fan of history. And um, one of my favorite classes when I was in college was african-american history and there were actually two separate classes for african-american history taught by probably the best one of the best professors i ever had dr todd robinson who basically allowed all of us to research anything that was prominent in you know historical context in african-american history and one thing that i did for my second african-american history class was the evolution of hip-hop from the mid-80s up until uh, basically the deaths of Tupac Shakur and Notorious B.I.G. And when I got this book, I was just amazed that there's so much more that I think I could have added to my paper. And I spent like all four months of my spring semester writing about this and researching this. And even just skimming through it, there's so much more I could have added to my paper. It's ridiculous. Um, but I'm excited to finally crack down and read this book as well. And I think just just overall history itself is is something interesting to to read about. I, I've all, I think that's one of the things I've always loved about history, the thought that you can research something as well as read into it and probably create your own context as to what is historical and what isn't. And I think that's always been something that I've been fascinated with. I mean, I minored in history 
when I was in college and everybody told me, oh, minoring in history is going to be one of the best things you ever did. And absolutely was like, I didn't think I was going to be doing anything exciting for my capstone paper, which if you don't know what a capstone is, is basically a giant paper of at least like 20, 25 pages with so many sources, um, writing about a certain topic. And my, my, uh, my uh, timeline basically was, uh, Las Vegas and the state of Nevada, basically throughout world war two. And the only thing I could think of what in my time at the library was, well, there's probably no sports going on. So what would be the next best thing? The next best thing turned out to be, uh, ironically enough, the very first hotel casino in Las Vegas was the El Rancho, which at the time, think of going on the 15 towards Sahara and exiting off Sahara. That basically that area where you see the Sahara Casino and, you know, heading toward the stratosphere, that area, that is where the El Rancho was. And I always said to myself that if I could do just an overhead time lapse of Las Vegas from the time it was founded as a city to by the time it eventually became a city to what it is now, it would be the most fascinating thing I will have ever seen. Primarily because I want to see, I want to see the old wet and wild because I only went to the old wet and wild once and I kind of missed that old wet and wild. But just just to see how it's evolved, especially the strip and to see the housing developments just create and be created. It's so it's so fascinating to think about. And one day I hope to do that. Uh, and who knows, maybe I get the time to actually think about it. Well, my resources are a bit limited because they've closed libraries for God's sakes. So my uh, my resources are a bit limited. So may, maybe one day in the future when I'm like 40, we'll cross that bridge. So those are just a few titles that I'm reading right now. If you're reading a good book and you have any recommendations for me, please let me know. Would love to hear your recommendations. And if, especially if I have the book, I will definitely, definitely read it because we've got all the time in the world to read everything that we've got going right now. So good to know if you're trying to kill the time. Um, also, shameless plug, I, as I mentioned before, I have been streaming Golden Knights games on NHL 20. It's basically been computer versus computer, and I've been doing uh, commentary on it as well. Uh, full disclosure, I have, there is a little bit of cursing in there as well because it's, it's just a good time. It's a good time to have, and I'm just trying to pass the time and fill the hockey fix. So doing one tomorrow between the Golden Knights and the Coyotes, it's the home finale. If you want to stop by, I will... Uh, be sure to tweet out the Twitch link on Twitter and uh, you can stop by if you feel like you need to get your hockey fix in. So for that, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for me. Uh, Thank you for downloading, sharing, listening, subscribing, all of that jazz. All of it is greatly appreciated. All the support, all the feedback is greatly appreciated. And, and even though, you know, there may be some people I haven't gotten back to yet, as far as your emails and your, your feedback is concerned, please rest assured I have seen your feedback. And I am looking forward to responding to it in a timely manner tomorrow. Again, not sure what we're going to do, but I'll figure it out. We'll Maybe we'll do music discussion because music is still happening, which is always good. But we'll figure it out tomorrow. But until then, thank you guys. Have a great day. Be healthy. Be safe. Uh, don't go outside if needed unless you're going to the store. Make sure you wash your hands, sanitize, all that jazz. Be safe. That is all I can stress to you at this moment. So thank you guys once again for tuning in. I will catch you tomorrow. Until then, I am Danny Webster. 
This has been Locked on Golden Knights, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, and I will see you tomorrow. Have a good one!